0: here 's Randy Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to a fine time for healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine, and today it is the show that I do where I take your calls and answer your questions It's free advice Friday. Uh, if you'd like to call in, the number is four two four two two zero one eight zero one just um, you know a little bit of a chat. Um, I am still home. My husband and I own two businesses. We own um, two Massage Envy franchises and they've been closed since the end of March. We have almost 100 employees that are furloughed right now. So we are looking forward to our Florida governor making the statement that we can reopen. We're all sort of chomping at the bit here. you know, I love being home, but it is getting old, and it's, I'm tired of being lazy, so I'm ready for things to get back, and I hope that things are getting back to normal for all of you and that you are healthy and well. Um, I do have a caller, so let me, let's take this caller, and we'll start this way. Good morning. Hi. Have you, are you calling to Hi, um, speak with me? Hi, I was just listening in. My computer's not working, so I have to call. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm going to put you back on hold. You can listen to the whole show, okay? Thanks, DuLandy. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, again, if you want to call in, the number's 424 220 Today I want to talk to you about the topic of brainwashing, which is really what narcissistic, narcissists use. To hold us, hold us captive, so that they can continue to feed on us and get their narcissistic supply. And um, you know, being in an abusive relationship does feel torturous, and that's because it really is. It's the same kind of techniques that are used by the armed services and. Um, It's defined in the psychology dictionary as that which manipulates and modifies a person's emotions, attitudes, and beliefs. It reduces a person's ability to mentally defend themselves and makes it easier for another person to control them. Uh, So, brainwashing is just one example of how abuse in relationships looks looks like torture. Um, and it makes it hard for the person, the target, to see their way out of the relationship because they don't really know who they are in the relationship. Just a little bit of a background. The concept of brainwashing uh, became popular in the United States around the 1950s. This was a time when China was taken over by the Communist Party, and there was a small group of American prisoners who, after the war, chose to remain in North Korea. Uh, And then in 1962, I don't know um, how many of you remember heiress Patty Hearst, who insisted during her criminal trial that the crimes she committed with a terrorist group after being kidnapped, so-called kidnapped, um, was because she was brainwashed by them. But this is a concept that goes back to the Bible. It is brainwashing has been going on as long as mankind has been alive. But it is something that narcissists use against us. And it is the one thing that holds us there. And when we get out of these relationships, it makes it very difficult for us to stay out of the relationship and overcome the feelings and the attachment that we had while we were in this relationship. So not everyone is a target for brainwashing or mind control, but there are certain people who are susceptible to it. And we can be susceptible to it at different times. Those who... Are emotionally vulnerable because of child abuse or neglect or people who have a weak or even non-existent support system may easily fall prey to this kind of mind control but so can those who are vulnerable due to a particular life situation like divorce or death of a loved one or young adults who are away from home for the first time going to college people who commonly experience self-doubt or have a weak sense of identity people who show a tendency towards guilt or black and white thinking are more likely to be brainwashed I talk about, um, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but I talk about it with my clients, about the interview process. And the this is a predatory practice, a tactic that's used to find out enough information about you, your belief system, the, the tragedies and the, the hardships that you've had in your life. And... They download this information. They seem like they're your best friend or so interested in what you have to say, and it may be the first time anybody has been. So you open up and you tell them. But this is exactly what the narcissist is going to use to abuse you. All the information you tell in the beginning is what is used to push your exact buttons. So in the end of this, I'm gonna talk about what to look for and how to get over this. But for now, I just want to say that if you are with someone who shows an extreme interest in you and gets you to reveal a lot of information, this is a cautionary sign. It's one thing to share information, but when it's done in a way that just gets you to completely open up from the very beginning, that is a red flag. Brainwashing works by breaking down our identity or our self to the point where we are susceptible and then replacing it with another set of beliefs beliefs and attitudes and behaviors. It is a difficult and overwhelming process for if you're inside of this to spot. The person may begin lying to you and then progress to embarrassing you, intimidating you. They may use words or gestures ranging from an expression of of disapproval to actually invading your personal space. They may try to keep you up late at night, so you're too exhausted to, to be resilient, to stand up to these people. In the late 1950s, there was a psychologist named Robert J. Lifton, and he studied former prisoners of the Korean War, and the Chinese war camps. And he designed a, ste- a set of 10 steps that were involved in the mind control and brainwashing that were used. This is the same process. As I, as I review this, I see that this is the same process used by narcissistic abusers. So I think it's very relevant that I share this. The first set of um, steps that they use. The first one is called Assault on Identity, and this is where you are convinced, you are told you aren't who you say you are. Your aspects of self-identity are systematically attacked, and this has a serious destabilizing effect as you lose a sense of who you are. And as you lose the self, this also leads to a weakening of beliefs and values, which are then easier for your abuser to change. The second step is guilt. We all know about guilt. This is when you are told that you are bad. There are constant arguments that cast you as guilty of wrongdoing. And that leads you to eventually feel shame about most of the things that you do and even feel that you deserve punishment for them. The third step is self betrayal. Agree with me that you are bad. When you are forced to denounce your friends and family, it destroys your sense of identity and reinforces feelings of guilt. This helps to separate you from your past and builds a new ground for a new personality to be built. The next step is breaking point. Who am I, where am I, where am I, and what am I supposed to do? This is a constant assault on your identity. Guilt and self-betrayal eventually lead you to breaking down, sort of like what would happen in a nervous breakdown that people would experience for other reasons. You may find yourself crying inconsolably, fall into a deep depression, convulsive fits. Psychologically, what is happening is that you are losing a sense of who you are And at the same time, because of that, fearing a total annihilation of the self. But all this is is happening without you really realizing it. The next step is leniency. I can help you. So we all know this one. Just as the point where you are fearing this loss of self, you are offered some kind of small kindness which is a brief respite respite, respite from the assault on your identity. And when you have these crumbs, which are actually crumbs, they're nothing real, you feel a deep sense of gratitude, even though the person who tortures you is the one giving you this kindness. This is another form of hurt and rescue, punishment and reward. It's called by all these different names, intermittent reinforcement. These are awards that are given sporadically during the abuse cycle. The abuser essentially deliberately harms you just to come to your rescue. But you feel indebted to them for these small things. And I wanna mention that when you get out of these um, relationships, whatever the type may be, and you tend to start focusing on the good things that that person does because you're a good person and you want to give credit where credit is due. But understand that the mind, the brain, when you have a, um, any kind of incident or episode that is torturous, um, anything that really throws you, your mind separates that into a lot of different pieces. It's almost like dropping a glass or punching a mirror. fragments into a lot of different pieces. So when you go to remember things, you're not going to remember those things entire, in one piece. But good things, good things that get your dopamine firing, good things that make you feel good, These things you will remember as one thought. So understand that you're going to remember the good and not remember the traumatic. Um, Okay, so that was leniency. Uh, The next one, the next step is the compulsion to confess. This is where you are told basically that you can help yourself and This is when you're just on the brink of the breakdown and then you're pulled back through the leniency, you're then faced with the contrast of the hurt of potential further identity assault. And you may also feel the obligation to exchange in the need to repay the kindness of leniency I'm trying to um, help interpret this. Okay, so basically you're told, if you want to help yourself, this is what you have to do. And they get you to comply. The next step is the channeling of guilt. And this is why you are in so much pain at this point. The overwhelming sense of guilt and shame that you are feeling will be so confused by the multiple accusations and assaults on your identity that you lose the sense of what specifically you are guilty of. And all you feel is the burden of being wrong. And this confusion allows your narcissistic abuser to redirect the guilt towards whatever he or she pleases. They'll tell you that you've been living your life wrong. You've been living under an ideology that is bad or wrong. The next step is re-education, also called logical dishonoring. This is the notion that the root cause of your guilt is an externally imposed ideology. And this is something that you are confused about and exhausted about, but you're still grasping. If you were taught wrongly, your parents, your teachers, whoever taught you is at fault. And by mentally throwing away these acts, which we tend to do, we are now completing the act of rejection, rejecting the, the whole mindset, the whole ideology of what we've been taught. What they're doing is trying to void who you are so that they can replace it with something else. The next step is called progress and harmony. And this is where you're told basically, if you want, you can choose good. The rejection of the old outlook leaves a vacuum into which a new one can be introduced. It forms a perfect attraction point as you flee the old in search of a contrasting replacement. And then your new outlook is portrayed as harmonious and ideally suited to your needs. Your narcissistic abuser will contrast, show you how wonderful your new outlook is compared to all the problems and the pain of your old outlook. Then the last one is called Final Confession and Rebirth. This is when you give up all allegiance to your old outlook and embrace whatever one is given to you. So these are the steps that are used in brainwashing. These are not the only tactics used by narcissists, but I wanted to focus on the brainwashing because... It is the one thing that really sticks with us after we leave, and it's why I drive home so hard, why I'm so determined for you to get help from your abuse, because when you get out, what you know intellectually is not what you know emotionally or psychologically, and it's very frustrating. That causes us to beat ourselves up because we can't understand why we can be so effective in other aspects of our life yet we can't move past this and the reason you can't move past it is because you are programmed and you can't unprogram yourself maybe you can i don't know but it is very difficult to do But it is not that difficult for somebody to help you to get these kind of programming messages out of your psyche. It doesn't take that long, but you have to have the right person help you. Recognizing the brainwashing. So these are some of the things that you might look for in the future or you may look back and see that this is how it, how you were susceptible to it. So one thing is isolating you from your support system. If the narcissistic abuser can't isolate you, then the relationship cannot last. Another thing they do is they find fault with your friends, your family, and then imply you don't want to be like them. They may introduce you to a group of their so-called friends. Narcissists don't have friends, but they're often other other abusers, and insist that those people are superior to the people you have aligned yourself with, your friends, your family, Or they may have you participate in social events only that their friends are hosting. This is one I think you all have experienced. They act jealous of others and imply you are sexually attracted to friends or strangers. This is an accusation that you find yourself Trying to explain away and nothing you say will make them believe you because it's a tactic. It's not true. Narcissists will talk about you behind your back and make your friends doubt the perception they have about you. Oh, this is a big one. They act like such a great guy or or woman that your unsuspecting friends and family cannot believe the abuser is evil. They have no idea who this person really is. So these are some contrasts to look for when you start to see these things, when everybody's telling you, I absolutely love your boyfriend. Oh my gosh, you have hit the lottery. And yet, behind closed doors, He's insulting you, bashing you. They will, they attach to you very, very quickly, too quickly. They'll call you their soulmate. They'll create this idealized world that the two of you exist in, this fairy tale And even if you're not attracted to this person, this is where they can really get you. You are my soulmate, and look at this world we can create, just the two of us. We never want to move where they live or where they want to live, especially if it's far away from everyone that we know care about, our family, our friends. So these are some things to look for. Um, The brainwashing technique of occasional indulgences requires that the behavior behaves especially nice or allows you temporary freedom for being good. In this cycle of abuse, this period of indulgence is known as the honeymoon period of the abusive cycle, which follows an episode of intense emotional, verbal, sometimes physical abuse. Narcissists don't need to lay a hand on us because they're so powerful with their minds. Um, And these intermittent niceties come at any time that the abuser feels that they're pushing you too hard, senses that you're catching on to them, that you've had enough of what they're dishing out. Or sometimes they use it just to keep you on your toes and uncertain and unbalanced. So watch out for those occasional indulgences. They are manipulations and on the other side of it is abuse. There was a um, psychologist named Biderman who created something called monopolization of perception. And there are four ways that the abuser will monopolize your perception. The first thing is that he or she eliminates information that's not in agreement with the abuser's message. The second thing is your abuser will punish actions that show independence or resistance. The fourth thing is to blame you for the abuse. You caused it, something you did is making this happen. And the fourth thing is getting you to focus on how you cause the abuse. So with eliminating information that's not in agreement with your abuser's message, your abuser will keep your attention on them. They may act like they love you so much they can't bear to be away from you. Act jealous. Blow things out of... Proportion, cause drama in the relationships on purpose, break into tears or become angry, and expect you to know why. Let's see. I'm trying to follow along with this thing. Okay. Um Okay, this is not Biderman's, so I'm just going to bring some other things into this. Um, the abuser attempts to remove from your world anything they cannot control. So they don't want, want you to watch certain shows. They badmouth anything you're affiliated with, any group you belong to, any club you belong to. They tell you how to dress. Where to buy your clothes. Um, oh, this is another thing. This is where the abuser makes it impossible for you to do things that they consider off limit. So they don't want you to be with friends, so they text you or call you incessantly when you're out with friends. They may show up unexpectedly. They may create uncomfortable feelings. Whatever they can do to force you into compliance, to make you not do what they don't want you to do, and forcing you to comply. But at the same time, making it seem like you are choosing to comply because their case is so strong that you begin to believe it. Again, this is a call-in show you can call in and speak with me at uh, 424-220-1801. Today I'm talking about brainwashing and the way this happens and what you can do about it and how to recognize it. Another thing that's used to brainwash you are threats. This is when your abuser will threaten to leave you or kick you out, they say, if you, if you do that, you're, you're out. Or the person will say, if you ever leave, I'm going to kill myself. They may even threaten harm to your family or your, your pets. The threats are generally idle, and we can't fall prey to them because they're manipulations first of all a narcissist will never throw you out because you are supply and narcissists never throw away good supply they may throw you out at the very end when there's nothing left but while you're in this relationship and they're still needing what they what you're giving them and they're still abusing you because of that to break you down They're not going to kick you out. They're not going to leave. They're not going to kill themselves. First of all, they're not going to kill themselves because they don't think there's anything wrong with them. This is just a manipulation. Um, They use control and omnipotence. Have you ever had it happen where they act like they're psychic what they're doing is exploiting coincidences luckily prove that they know everything that you do where you are i have so many people tell me my abuser is psychically connected to me you know and i don't want to deny that because in some cases that does happen that does happen but they will all sort of pretend that they know what you're doing while you're doing it, as if, they have, as if they're watching you everywhere. Um, they make you feel paranoid, like they're everywhere and you don't have a second to yourself. They play the judge, jury, and the prosecutor. They say what you did, why you did it, and then they choose the punishment that is suitable to your crime. By the time the abuser finishes berating you, you begin to feel like you deserved the punishment. Um, Another tactic they use, enforcing trivial demands. So have you ever had your abuser nitpick something down to the minute or the penny or something like that, trying to get you to comply? So, you know, they may say, um, "You don't know how to wash dishes. It, it's taking you way too long. You should you should be done by that done washing." your dishes in two minutes. Why don't you know how to do this? Um, And these, they change these things. They are unrealistic. They change and they contradict all the rules that they set. They could even come down on you for something that You used to really enjoy, like gardening or painting. But you have to do it in the way that your abuser wants you to do it, under the circumstances or time frame that your abuser wants you to do this or allows you to do this, or even a job. It could even be your job. And you begin to detest this. It's not fun anymore because they've taken all the joy out of what you used to love. Um, let's see. Um, okay. When you begin to resist demands and stand up for yourself anytime you get angry and your abuser has to deal with your fury the punishment is going to be quicker and more severe than if you just complied so you feel and you learn that complying is much easier It preserves more of your self-respect because you don't get called names and put down than if you refuse to do it. So this is what is sometimes called learned helplessness. Um, The professor Martin Seligman coined that term, learned helplessness. When you are conditioned that no matter what you do, It's not, you're not going to be rewarded and you're going to be punished. So you finally just lay down and take it. But um, you just, and after a while, that's what happens. Originally, you just um, decide, okay, you know, it's easier for me to just do it than to go up against all this, um, all these rules and rigidity narcissists will degrade you with words they humiliate you in front of your friends or your coworkers and this is this humiliation degrades your self-worth this is where what happens is you become nothing in your mind you don't have a self you're losing yourself, and you fight to prove your worth to your abuser. But it never works. And, you know, you may be fighting throughout your entire relationship to prove your abuser, to your abuser that you have worth and that you are smart and that you aren't doing these things eventually, the relationship that you have with your abuser becomes your only reality and you totally lose yourself. You no longer have opinions, thoughts, desires, or behaviors that are contrary to your abuser. So let's talk now about Um, deprogramming, what happens in the process of deprogramming. The first thing that's important, this is obvious, and it can't always happen right away, but there should be a plan for it. That is to leave your abuser. When you identify someone as a narcissist, there's only one thing you can do, and that's get away from them as far away as you can emotionally it's important if you know that this has happened to you to open up to somebody open up to a therapist a social worker um, even a, a network an online network or a group um, friends family members just talk about anything especially if you can talk about your abuse, that's good, but you want to start connecting with people and opening up. This is There's a fine line with this, because when you open up about what happened to you, people will tend to judge you. So I say that it's best to open up to someone who's educated in this and can give you the right perspective and help you through this. A lot of times friends and family have been hoodwinked by your abuser. Or they get so tired of hearing you talk about it that they turn turn away from you. You lose that support system. And you need to talk about it and you need validation. And that's all you're trying to do is get validation. But people tell you you're taking a victim mentality. They tell you to just get over it. So I suggest Only talk to those people
1: who have
0: a grasp on what you've been going through, who understand narcissistic abuse and can really, really listen to you. You need to be heard. Um, I don't think I have to tell you to learn and understand as much about narcissistic abuse as you can, but that's definitely one of the things because you want to be able to identify the types of verbal abuse that are happening to you when they're happening. Um, accept painful thoughts and actions. So this is going to hurt. No matter what kind of relationship you're coming out of, this is going to to hurt. And what we need to do is accept those feelings of pain without needing to justify them, without needing to fill our space so that we don't. Um, we need to sit with the pain. And when we sit with it, when we sit with our feelings, they will go away. When we don't, when we pack them down or deny them or run away from them, excuse me, when when we run away from them, they will stay there and they're going to keep popping up and popping up for the rest of your life. So it's important that you face the feelings that you're having. Sometimes... While we're facing these feelings, this is when we will begin to say, well, they weren't that bad and maybe my feelings aren't right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm imagining this. So what I want to tell you there is your feelings are your feelings. It doesn't matter What's going on? If you are feeling this way, something is wrong for you. Something is not right for you. Whether it's right for somebody else doesn't even matter. If it's not right, comfortable, healthy for you, then it's not right. Trust your feelings. And you will go through a grieving process, all the stages of the grieving process, just as if you are experiencing a death. Because you are experiencing a death, a death of dreams, a death of expectations, a death of a fairy tale, um, a death of a future, a death of the family that you thought you would have around you, because the concept of family is that they're going to be in your life and be there for you. And you may have kids one day and, and bringing the children to the grandparents and all be happy and celebrating holidays together and those kind of things. This is a death. You may have gotten married for a lifetime. You decided to make this commitment for a lifetime, and now you have to throw it away. Sometimes it may be a year. Sometimes it may be 30, 40 years And all of a sudden, you've woken up and you have to throw away your dream. You will go through a period of grieving and you will go through all the stages of grieving. Um, When you come out of these relationships, um, so many of us, actually all of us, I think, are anxious about making decisions for ourselves. We're so afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision. We're ashamed that we may make the wrong decision or that we've made the wrong decision in the past. We're ashamed of ourselves. But if you learn to make your own decisions, and this just can be very small things. Start with small things. Decide what time you're going to eat set a schedule for yourself, small things. And with practice, the anxiety of making decisions will fade. Um, Learning to trust and value yourself again. This is a huge one. This is about self-love. I talk about this all the time. (laughs) This is about loving yourself, appreciating yourself, valuing yourself. This is about um, self-validation. This is about understanding who you are and not letting anyone question that or make you question that. To know who you are, this is a process. This is a process I work through with my clients because everyone coming out of a narcissistic relationship will be... um, They don't trust themselves. They don't like themselves. They certainly cannot self-validate. In many cases, this self-validation issue goes way, way back to childhood. You were told you were only as good as you were told you were. You had no value unless you were told you had value. And this is what happens in these narcissistic relationships. The only value you have is what you're told you have, so you learn to give up that process of validating yourself. In some cases, you never learn it. So, this is about learning to um, self-validation, and it's one of the reasons why I say that narcissistic abuse support groups do not work. The reason they do not work is because the support you need is from one person and the validation you need comes from that one person initially, but you're taught to do it for yourself. And when you sit in a room or you go online with a group of people who are just whining about their issues – And everybody's saying, oh, it'll get better, it'll get better. That is external validation that's not going to help anybody. This is about learning to internally validate yourself so that no matter where you go in life, you will not get taken advantage of. So these groups are fine for a while, but you're going to find it's just a bunch of people complaining that just want to complain. They're not there to get better. They just want to complain. Okay. Um, This is another one that I hear a lot. (sighs) Trying to figure out why you were abused. Researching answers to this question trying to figure this out, what did I do, why was I abused, why did this happen, and you go back into time and you relive all the situations that happened. And as you do this, all you do is create a loop of confusion because you're never going to figure this out. There's no reason why you were abused except for the fact that you got victimized by a predator. That's why you were abused you were victimized by a predator that's it bottom line no other explanation and narcissistic abuse victims all are very empathetic nice people we want to we want to see the good in people we want to take responsibility for anything we might have done wrong we're so conscious of everything that we do wrong and this empathy may convince you that your abuser deserves sympathy and what happens is you project the sympathy and the empathy onto the abuser and not onto yourself and you take so much time giving it well you know they had a hard childhood, or this happened or that happened, or their father burned them with a cigarette, or whatever it is, they were humiliated oh and you and you feel sorry for your abuser, no. This is not about feeling sorry for your abuser. This is about understanding that you need to have that sympathy and empathy for yourself, for what you went through. Because if you continue to focus on the pain of your abuser and you distort what love is, you give them credit where credit is not due then you're not going to heal. I always tell people, and this is so different for people who are good, people who um, just have good souls, nice people, nice empathetic people. Um, I tell you to stop focusing on the good in that relationship and focus on all the bad because this is the only way you're going to undo what was done to you. So journal. Write down everything they've ever done to you in sequence. And when you get into that habit, when you begin to um, to start thinking, well, but they aren't all bad, but they did love me. Well, narcissists don't have the ability to love you. So if you've identified someone as a narcissist, they did not love you, not in the way that you needed to be loved or the way that supports a relationship. So um I want you to focus on all the bad. I want you to really think about everything that happened to you and stay in that mindset. And the last thing is to manage your stress. You are going to have stress and you need tools. You need to find tools that are going to help you to deal with the stress that you're under. And these tools you're going to use for a lifetime. I do. Um, One of them is breathing techniques. You can learn different kinds of breathing techniques and find the ones that work for you because breathing, when you control your breathing and you focus on your breathing, it takes your anxiety level way, way down. Meditation. So, meditation is something that people either embrace or they say, Well, no, I don't, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I can't just sit still like that. So, what you do, because meditation is very important, so what you do is you meditate, meditate for one minute at a time. You start with one minute and you just get quiet and you allow yourself to be quiet for one minute. And when you can do that, you move to two minutes. And you build yourself up. There are, um, I think the last show that I did, I gave, uh, I read a meditation to you. That's one that you can use. There are so many of them. Some people just go within, some people like a guided meditation to take them there. And there are so many of them. You can look them up, you can go on YouTube. There are un- hundreds. <laughs> Of meditations on YouTube all specifically for different issues and I use them I suggest you use them because all you have to do is sit there with some headphones on you can lay in bed you can be wherever you want to do and they will get you to relax walking walking is so important take walks take gratitude walks walk around and look at things appreciate your surroundings Um. What you want to do is slow down and pause these anxious and negative thoughts. So I give people tools uh, when they come to me to help them to slow down these thoughts, to be mindful. Um, Deprogramming from this abuse is really about being mindful about what you are saying to yourself and what you are allowing your mind to say to you. When you've been narcissistically abused slash brainwashed, your mind is not trustworthy. You can't trust what your mind is saying to you. So what you have to do is learn a new way to talk to yourself. Put in good things. So when when you're saying something very negative to yourself, you need to recognize it. Recognize what you are saying to yourself that's making you feel bad and change it. That doesn't happen overnight. But mindfulness is about recognizing what your mind is saying to you and challenging it. Understand that there's a record playing in your head that you did not produce, you did not play on. It's not your record. It's somebody else's record. And your intuition and the way you feel in your body is your guide. When you have a feeling, what you want to do is identify that feeling when you're hurting. Identify the feeling of what it is And then find it in your body. Where are you feeling that feeling in your body? And then feel it. Really be mindful of what that feeling is doing to you physically. And then sit with it. And learn to understand the language of your body. Learn to understand the language of your intuition. Because that is your savior. Uh, narcissists teach us to ignore our intuition ignore the way we feel about something and go to our head and listen to what they tell us what they've programmed into us this is how we've been trained we need to change that we need to take it out of our head and back into our body So all these are tools for recovering from this. I always suggest, and I said this earlier, I do suggest that you work with me or somebody, even for a short period of time, even one session, because you won't believe the difference it will make. It will propel you so far forward that in a way that you could never do for yourself. And what happens with narcissistic abuse, if you don't completely heal what you went through, and I mean completely, to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore, you don't care about that person, you are, you've are, you moved on, truly. You don't, you're not triggered. If you don't get rid of all those things, you're either going to, get in another relationship like that or your pain will rise back up. It may go away for a few. You may be able to pack it down for a few years. It's going to come back because this abuse has to be healed completely, and that means going into the brain and changing what was done. So I gave you some of the ideas of you know, the things that, um, that a professional can help you do, But these are also things you can be mindful of. The thing about working with a professional is that you may say the same things over and over. You may have hard times with certain things. You may get stuck on certain things. And the professional will validate and validate and support you through those things until you get it, until you learn how to do that. And you need that support and validation. So I definitely recommend that you get it. I'm available. You can go to my website, randyfine.com. Go to the Fine Coaching Counseling page, and um, you'll see what I do and, you know, everything about that you can make an appointment with me. Or you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. And I will write back to you, and we'll figure out a time that's good for you. Okay. Wow. Time is up. Um, Stay stay, stay safe, stay well, may joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randifine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.